おおおそうんおらりもう。Old folks. I'll just walk over here for now. <laughs> All right. They're coming my way. They come in my way with their dog. And they'd be like, What's the podcast? You know? And <laughs> they're. They're like, what's an Arnie pod? So for right now, I'll do the stand and pace thing. I wonder if the episodes are better when I'm standing and pacing or sitting. And I got it right. Yep, they went right where I was, just as I predicted. <laughs> they would have totally interrupted Arnie pod. Gotta write the uh, um, AFFL recap. Do that today. That's what I do on Tuesdays in the autumn. And let's go Hero's Journey. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna make my way back over to the bench. <laughs> This is an active beginning. I'm looking at the Arnie Pod stats and I'm liking the amount of repeat listens. I mean, as in repeat listeners. As in. There we go, back at the desk. I think I'm more comfortable in a seated. Ah, I think I'm bound to talk longer and more calmly, more, be more chill if I'm seated down somewhere versus I'm more likely to get amped up if I'm walking, pacing around. But we've done both. I mean, let's see, where did I put this nanner? I got a nanner on deck. Banana ball. Remember banana ball? I was going to talk about that on the podcast one time. It was when they did ESPN The Ocho. Dude, that was like. Right before I started my job. That was like early August. They did ESPN The Ocho on the ESPN networks.、Um, so, yeah, that was fun. Dodgeball. 
But, um, yes, what I was going to say was this past week, basically half the listeners have listened to two episodes, if that makes sense. <laughs> Something to that effect. I, I mean, I'm looking, I'm trying to do the math right now. It depends how, I wish they told you, um, the Savannah Bananas. Have I talked about this? I don't think I did this one. Maybe I did. Okay, but anyway. I wish they told you how many episodes people were listening to. Like, I wish they just said this person listened to five episodes this past week. This many people listened to just one episode. This many people listened to more than one episode. This many people listened to more than three episodes. <laughs> I'm... God, Snotsberry Farms this morning. <laughs> I thought of that a couple minutes back before I started the pod. I was like, I need to use that. But, um, yeah, I would say it's a good sign that a decent amount of the listens are repeat listeners. They're people listening to multiple episodes per week. And that's what I was talking about with, like, the Arnie pod per day challenge. Trying to get people to listen to more episodes. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Because it gives you the audience size, which is the number of different devices that listened in the past week. So that's how many different people tuned in in the past week. And then I can see the total number of listens from the past week. So, um, either way, though, I've been popping on Facebook Reels and YouTube. Dude, I can't believe just how workmanlike I am about it. (laughs) I just do it every day. You know? Just like... I can't... Oh, the equalizer. That's what that's called. That's what the sound audio thing is. That goes up and down as you talk. I couldn't think of it the other day. The Equalizer. Starring Denzel. (laughs) But, um... Yeah. I've just been doing... Just consistently since the end of March. (laughs) You know, what day was it? It was... March 27th because March 28th was the day of my dramatic, traumatic filter removal from my groin area. The helicoptered on me and I was like, Kelby. And then the doctor guy was like, you're almost dying. (laughs) And I was like, Kelby. (laughs) 
and then he took pictures and then he invited his coworkers and they took pictures around me. That's a Kobe reference right there. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a Kobe. Shout out Kobe, dude. No offense. I always thought Kobe was a little overrated. <laughs> Not to besmirch the deceased. I mean, he definitely has the accolades. Let's look at some of his numbers. 18-time All-Star, two-time scoring champ, five-time NBA champ. I mean, you got to give Shaq some credit, though. Remember, there's always like, is it more Shaq or is it more Kobe? (laughs) Or are they better together? Like peanut butter and chocolate. And then which one's chocolate and which one's peanut butter? (laughs) I mean, I think Shaq... Isn't one of his nicknames like Shaq Hawklick? <laughs> you know? Um, Shakaroni? Anyway. So, 15 time All NBA for Kobe, 96 97 All Rookie, 12 time All Defensive, 4 time All Star MVP. 07 08 MVP. I'm surprised he won only one regular season MVP. Doesn't that shock you that Kobe only got one? Because Shaq was getting all. Uh, and LeBron. And Steve Nash got a couple in there. Back to back. Two time finals MVP. The 75th anniversary team. And he also won a 2018 Oscar. <laughs> thought I was going to say Oscar Robertson. That's so random. That's so funny that they listed on his basketball reference. They're like, he got one-fourth of an EGOT. <laughs> That's, if you include the MVP, he got a, he got a o, OMVP. Own VP with the Oscar. 1,346 games. That's a lot. That's way more than MJ. Remember? Remember MJ had like 1,072. So 25 points per game for Kobe. 5.2 rebounds. 4.7 assists. And his career field goal percent, 45 Three point, only 33, 84 from a line. Dude, see, Kobe was not a big three-point threat, really. He attempted four three-pointers per game on the career. But, but, um, yeah, 33%, not too great. I mean, compared to, like, dude, we were looking at What's Steph Curry's... Dude, Steph Curry's career three-point is insane, dude. Uh, Let's see. Steph Curry. Dude, attempts nine three-pointers per game on the career. 43%. (laughs) The greatest shooter of all time. Um, Those numbers are even better than you would think. That's crazy. 
And then, what about his splash brother, Clay Clay? Go Coogs Coogs. Clay Clay. Coogs Coogs. So Clay Clay, 7.4 three-pointers attempted per game. Uh, 41.5%. Rounded up to 42%. So a little lower percent and a little less attempted. That's how good Chef Curry is. And uh, Clay Clay missed two full seasons, 2019, 2020, 2021, uh, 2019 through 21. And then he only played 32 games in 21, 22. Yeah, Clay has struggled with... uh, Here's his game totals throughout his career for Clay Clay. 66, 82, 81, 77, 80, 78, 73, 78. Missed two full seasons, 32, 69, and 10 this season. So, I mean... While he's been healthy, he hasn't missed that many games. But that really hurts to miss when you're 29 and 30 years old. Like, kind of in his prime. Like, actually, right in the prime. Missing two full seasons for Clay. That hurts. What about Chef Curry's game totals? Starting in his rookie season. Here we go. 80, 74, 26, 78, 78, 80, 79, 79, 51, 69, 5, 63, 64, 56, 11 this season. So he just had 2019, 2020. Clay was out. And Chef Curry only played five games. And, uh, but yeah, other than that, eh, he played 26 games his third season. He's missed a decent amount of time, Chef Curry has. He'll miss, like, upwards of 20 games a season. What about LeBron? How many games is LeBron... I mean, he, like, purposely misses games. LeBron will never play 70 games again, obviously. I mean, he's almost 40. I mean, actually, LeBron is only... He's going to be 39 December 30th. So Everyone thinks LeBron's 40, but he's not. He's not even 39 yet. Here's LeBron's game totals. God, his his stat sheet fills up the whole screen. That's how many seasons he's played. <laughs> uh, 79, 80, 79, 78, 75, 81, 76, 79, 62, 76, 77, 69, 76, 74, 82, 55, 67, 45, 
56, 55, 9. And, uh, yeah, so he hasn't missed that much time. And then I just had a flashback, and I was like, wait, when did they miss, when did they do the bubble? Like, I don't even remember, was the bubble, it was an extension of the 2019-2020 season. So I can't even remember if they played a full 82 games that season. Because remember they did the NBA bubble in Orlando? That was like August of 2020. So they stopped the season in the beginning of March. Like March 10th or something. Remember the Rudy Gobert stuff? (laughs) He was just joking around. Like making Frenchmen jokes. That's how they joke in France, you know. (laughs) And... uh, yeah, man. Rudy Gobert out there, like, remember he was, like, touching the mics? And then everyone got really mad. <laughs> People were like, how dare you? <clears throat> All right, listen to MJ, Michael Jordan, game totals. 82, 18, 82, 82, 81, 82, 82, 80, 78, did not play, played baseball, 17, 82, 82, 82. And then he retired three seasons, and then 60. And then he played 82 games in his final season for the Wizards. Um, when he turned 40 that season in February, February 17th. MJ turned 40 back in 03. Dude, he played a full 82 games in his final season as he turned 40. <laughs> Dude, think about how many games LeBron takes off. That's crazy to put that in perspective. All right. So, Banana Ball... Um. There's a Savannah Bananas. For a collegiate summer league team playing a run below the minors, the Savannah Bananas draw big crowds when they barnstorm through the South and Midwest during the offseason. Fans come to see Banana Ball, a quirky version of baseball with a whole different set of rules. We looked at every boring play, franchise owner Jesse Cole says. Jesse, what's up, Jesse? That's a Breaking Bad reference. (laughs) Hey, it's Aaron Paul. I'm trying to talk to you, Chris. And I'm just ignoring him. I just have my back to Aaron Paul. See, that's an Arnie Pod callback. So if you don't understand that callback, then you need to listen to old Arnie Pod episodes. So you can be like, wait, what does Chris mean? He was ignoring Aaron Paul? That's right. Aaron Paul was trying to give us a motivational speech and I kept my back to him. (laughs) And then you can find out why. I told Brett about it last time me and Brett talked. So check out that one. So we looked at every boring play and we got rid of it. 
That sounds like kind of a cocky thing to say. <laughs> I feel like that guy is such a know-it-all. He's like, I just looked at the bad stuff and I made it good. <laughs> That's what I do. Okay. <laughs> He's like, don't worry about it. If it's boring, I'll make it interesting. All right. <laughs> He's like, they call me the fixer. All right. Any foul ball caught by a spectator counts as an out. Dude, that's like the funniest rule of all time. I just read it. Sometimes when you read stuff out loud, you have to like look at it a second time to comprehend it. Dude, that's so funny that if a fan catches a ball, then it's an out. Like they should honestly implement that rule in all levels of baseball. <laughs> Dude, that's one of the funniest rules I've ever heard. <laughs> that's like saying if the guy at halftime makes the contest shot from half court, then the home team gets three points. That's like kind of the same version of that. Like if the guy doing the punt pass kick competition like like um my dad showed me college game day I can't remember if it was the Pat McAfee college game day on Friday or the college game day college game day on uh, Saturday but there was a Georgia fan who attempted like a pretty far field goal. And there was like a tunnel of fans. There was fans on both sides. So it was like very unrealistic. Like he didn't get like a football field to stand on. You know. Would have been easier if he was like had more space, I think. It was like a cramped field goal attempt. But that'd be like if that guy made it, then... The Georgia, the Ugga Bulldogs start with three points or something. <laughs> Dude, crazy game. That Bills Broncos. Watched the end of that game with my father. That had a wild finish. That one cost my mom a fiver in the pool picks. She would have won it if the Bills had won it. They didn't have 12 people on the field during that field goal at the end. All right. Banana ball. No time to waste. Is it neither or neither? I say neither. But I heard my mom say neither. I think neither is more like fancy. <laughs> I think if you're at a dinner party... You're at like a fundraiser, one of those like $50 a plate things, then it's neither. But if you're doing Arnie Pod on a foggy Tuesday morning in a, on a picnic bench <laughs> at the Johnny Carson morning show desk, then it's either.
<laughs> See what I did there? Either. Then it's either. Dude, nobody says either. Some people say neither, but nobody says either. Eh. This, this, some people say either this or that. Dude, come on. Who doesn't go either? <laughs> Who doesn't go either, neither? Never. Never. <laughs> I can't believe my eyes. A minute. <laughs> Wait, let me get a clean line reading on this. Some cold brew. Oh. I can't believe my eyes. A minute. Oh. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do it on my... Uh, I'll do a Facebook reel after this. And then I'll try to remember to do that. That's a shout out to Jolo Trulio from Role Models. I saw Jolo Trulio when I did Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You can see a photo of me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine on my social media. It's out there. I'm standing behind Andy Samberg. And there's actually, if it's taken at the right time, then it has like the TV logo um, like over me. Like at the beginning of the episode, like TV 14, I believe if you took the photo at the right time, I'll have to look at what episode that is. Dude, I wonder how many episodes of TV shows and different movies that I actually appear on screen that I'm not even aware of. Because I've done, like, enough different shows where, like, I never check them out. I mean, some of them I do find out about. Like, the Brooklyn Nine-Nine. American Housewife. Like I was talking about the other day. When I saw that episode. When, when I woke up and I was on TV. On Fox. They were showing the specific American Housewife. It was the the reenactment episode. Like, all is fair and war and love or something. Like, the title is something like that. But I was a war reenactor. Got a photo of that one. I would estimate I've appeared on screen... Over a dozen different shows, I would guess. Oh, Silicon Valley, I've been on screen. I've done that one, like, multiple different times. But that was the longest single show shoot I did. It was five days straight. And, uh, yeah, it was like a carnival. And I was in a... I was one of the people in a bright green t-shirt. And I definitely show up in some point in that carnival. That was back in, it probably aired early 2020. Because we filmed that one September 2019. 
yep, yep. <laughs> I think I've been on screen for definitely like one of the firefighter shows. Oh, I've been on screen for 911. I was a chocolate chip cookie. You can see me in the wide shot. <laughs> that probably aired in 2020. Um, got a photo of that one. Yeah, like the, the establishing shot of the... We were at like a fast food spot. And it was a Halloween episode. And I was a chocolate chip cookie. Um, I think I probably appeared on Station 19 or... Uh, 911 Lone Star as a firefighter. I think I was definitely in there somewhere for maybe both of those. So look for me there. <laughs> Dude, it's kind of cool that like you can kind of just look back and be like, I could literally just try to find episodes and then look for myself. Because I would like, because some of the time I was able to find out what episode we were filming. So, um, but then sometimes you can kind of just estimate based on when you filmed it and who was there. But, um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough of that reminiscing. No time to waste. I got no time to waste. Also in Banana Ball. Neither managers nor catchers can visit the mound, and if a batter steps out of the box between pitches, it's called a strike. <laughs> Run, don't walk. The, that's kind of like what they're doing to baseball nowadays, like not letting guys step out of the box as much. But they don't penalize them. It's penalized, not penalize. <laughs> Some people say penalize. It's like, are you... Are you joking right now? <laughs> Why do you say that? I think it's Canadian too. All right. Run, don't walk. The moment the umpire calls ball four, the batter takes off sprinting and the defense snaps into action. Runners can keep going until the ball is thrown to every fielder, including outfielders. A walk can turn into a home run. Oh, that's interesting. They have to pass the ball around the horn. All right. That's enough banana ball. Oh, my mom snapped her giant wordle streak today. She had 161. <laughs> she hadn't missed the wordle since early June. And um, that's crazy, dude. I think my longest streak, I don't think I've ever got 20 in a row. <laughs> Dude, how do you get 161 straight days of getting the wordle correct? That's bonkers. All right, where were we? So let's talk a little hero's journey before we uh, finish this one up here. Um, did we talk crossing of the first threshold? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we talked belly of the whale. We were talking lots of belly of the whale. So let's talk initiation. The road of trials is a series of tests that the hero must undergo to begin the transformation. Often the hero fails one or more of these tests, 
which often occur in threes. Eventually, the hero will overcome these trials and move on to the next step. Campbell explains, um, Once having traversed the threshold, the hero moves in a dream landscape of curiously fluid, ambiguous forms where he must survive a succession of trials. Kind of like on Survivor, you know, when they like go to the island, like one person from each tribe goes to this island. They have to do some trials. <laughs> this is a favorite phase of the myth adventure. Mythbusters. It has produced a world literature of miraculous tests and ordeals. The hero is covertly aided by the advice, amulets, and secret agents of the supernatural helper whom he met before his entrance into this region. Or it may be that he here discovers for the first time that there is a benign power everywhere supporting him in his superhuman passage. Ah, interesting. Amulet. Dude, exactly like Survivor. Dude, I can't believe I just made that reference. I wonder if I subconsciously saw the word amulet before. Because amulet is the specific term that they used in the recent Survivor episode. When the people went to the island from each tribe, just like I was talking about. And they could take this amulet for all of them, or they could take a sandwich. <laughs> and Austin wanted to do the sandwiches. That was pretty funny. That's like Austin's funny part of the season, that he wanted the sandwiches instead of the amulet. But then Jay was like, no, we got to do the amulet. And then it was Kelly, right? I think Kelly was the one in the middle. And she's like, okay. But then Austin gave in. He's like, okay. This sandwich is going to be gone in like 20 seconds if I, if I get it. Uh, and then Austin, no spoilers. I don't want to spoil the season of Survivor for you. But let's just say the amulet seems to be working pretty good for Austin. No spoilers. <laughs> The original departure into the land of trials represented only the beginning of the long and really perilous path of initiatory conquests and moments of illumination. Dragons have now to be slain and surprising barriers passed again and again and again. <laughs> meanwhile, there meanwhile there will be a multitude of preliminary victories, unsustainable ecstasies, and momentary glimpses of the wonderful land. Oh, dude. So, like, I'm not, I'm not even going to try to keep relating this to my... It's hard to relate, like, I don't know if I was slaying any dragons down there. <laughs> down there in L.A., like, this is where we kind of just, like, keep going with the story. Um, you know? The meeting with the goddess. This is where the hero gains items given to him that will help him in the future. Campbell proposes that the ultimate adventure, when all the barriers and ogres have been overcome, is commonly represented as a mystical marriage of the triumphant hero's soul with the queen goddess of the world. This is a crisis at the nadir. 
Rafael Nadir, <laughs> the greatest tennis player from Spain ever. <laughs> Rafael Nadir. Uh, shout out Rafael Nadal. Shout out my mom. Loves tennis. The zenith or at the uttermost edge of the earth, at the central point of the cosmos. Shout out Neil deGrasse Tyson. In the tabernacle of the temple or within the darkness of the deepest chamber of the heart. Shout out cows have like four chambers of hearts, right? The, me- <laughs> the meeting with the goddess who is incarnate in every woman is the final test of the talent of the hero. Shout out America's Got Talent in Pasadena. I've been an audience on that. Look for me in the audience. <laughs> uh, I didn't get to be like right behind the judges though. Those are I was up in the cheap seats. Shout out cheap seats. I was watching cheap seats on YouTube last night. The Sklar Brothers. One of my first favorite comedies. ESPN Classic back in the mid aughts. Cheap seats. All right. Um talent of the hero to win the boon of love shout out brett boone listen to hall of fame or not brett boone from probably a couple months maybe a month ago when we do brett boone maybe late september all right boon of love charity amor fati Fati, um, which is life itself enjoyed as the encasement of eternity. Ooh, the encasement of eternity sounds like a, I love that term. What a cool way to describe like souls. There's some sort of encasement of eternity process, process. In which they are established in the bardo. Dude, what a cool phrase. Makes you sound like toy. And when the adventurer in this context is not a youth but a maid, she is the one who, by her qualities, her beauty, and her yearning, is fit to become the consort of an immortal. Then the heavenly husband descends to her and conducts her to his bed, whether she will or not. Well, that's not. (laughs) That's not good. (laughs) And if she has shunned him, the scales fall from her eyes. If she has sought him, her desire finds its peace. So this guy's like, this heavenly husband... Uh, does not take no for it. <laughs> he's very pushy. Um, woman is a temptress. In this step, the hero faces those temptations. Shout out the t- temptations. Um, what's a temptation song? You know, I feel like I should be able to like think of one. The temptations. Um, my girl, my girl, 
talking about my girl. Is that their song? My girl, talking about my girl. All right, temptations, often of physical or pleasurable nature, (sighs) that may lead them to abandon or stray from their quest, which does not necessarily have to be represented by a woman. A woman is a metaphor for the physical or material temptations of life. Since the hero knight, shout out Canyon Park Knights, my junior high, we were the knights. Yes, game knights. People got knighted at our junior high back in suburban Seattle. There was people being knighted in the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) The hero knight was often tempted by lust from his spiritual journey. Campbell relates that the crux of the curious difficulty lies in the fact that our conscious views of what life ought to be seldom correspond to what life really is. Generally, we refuse to admit within ourselves or within our friends the fullness of that pushing, self-protective, malodorous, carnivorous, lecherous fever, which is the very nature of the organic cell. Rather, we tend to perfume, whitewash, and reinterpret. Meanwhile, imagining that all the flies in the ointment, all the hairs in the soup, what's flies in the ointment? An idiomatic expression for a drawback, especially one that was not at first apparent. For example, we had a cook stove, beans, and plates. The fly in the ointment was the lack of a can opener. There you go. It's a cool saying. All the hairs in the soup are the faults of some unpleasant someone else. But when it suddenly dawns on us or is forced to our attention that everything we think or do is necessarily tainted with the odor of the flesh, then, not uncommonly, there is experienced a moment of revulsion. Life, the acts of life, the organs of life, a woman in particular as the great symbol of life, become intolerable to the pure, the pure, the pure soul. The seeker of the life beyond life must press beyond the woman, surpass the temptations of her call, and soar to the immaculate ether beyond. (laughs) Uh, No offense to any of the female listeners of Arnipod. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's such a funny, like, I feel like that's so old school. It's like, man... Don't get distracted by no woman (laughs) on your way to greatness, baby. The temptations. I mean, what do you say though? Arnie pod has never had like a long-term girlfriend or partner, you know, I don't know. (laughs) What's the reason? I feel like other people, I don't know, like, I feel like other people 
somehow like there's something I must give off some type of energy with women where they like women never like initiate anything with me like throughout my whole life I can think of like of like like maybe a handful of times that any woman ever initiated any type of interaction with me <laughs> isn't that crazy dude <laughs> and i'm like i'm like a six foot three good looking dude who's like still young and like looks younger than he is and like i'm in good shape like i take care of myself i'm saying like that's kind of the way it is like being a dude um but then i don't think i don't know I think other people, like some of my friends, probably give off like different type of energy. Like I swear, some of my friends, there's like, I don't know, but maybe they initiate it. Maybe I don't realize that like they're more like, they are the ones who initiate the, you know, interaction. I'm just saying, isn't that crazy? Like, 30 years old, I could think of, like, maybe a handful of times that, dude, women are just, like, not, they're not interested. I mean, and I'm not the type who's, like, like, super bold. Also, because I'm not, like, a drinker. Like, that's what people who drink alcohol, like, they get bold and courageous. Like, like stoners don't get bold, you know, when you get baked, you don't like be like, I'm going to go like talk to a stranger. (laughs) Like I'm going to go like create a relationship. That's like not really how you're thinking when you're smoking weed. You're like not thinking like I'm going to meet new people. (laughs) That's like the last thing I would want to do is like try to establish trust, you know? When you're stoner, you're kind of just like, I'm with the people I know, and then, like, I'm comfortable with those people. Dude, it's the alcoholics who are, like, the ones who are always, like, talking to new people. That's, like, part of drinking alcohol. It makes you more, like, open to, and, like, less scared to just talk to random people, you know? <sighs> Which I don't know if that's a good thing or, you know, I mean, I guess it is for some people, but some people are just nuts, dude. I feel like in general, at least 80% of the people in the world, you would actually probably over 90% of the people in the world, you would never really want to talk to. <laughs> I don't think that's really exaggerating. I think that's generally like how like different people are. And just like I don't know. Maybe that is an overgeneralization. But like just from the sample, I mean, most people aren't everyone's nice. Like don't get me wrong. Yeah. People are nice, but 
<laughs> I don't, it's just weird being like a 30 year old dude and be it, like that's when it's like hard to make like friends you know because unless you're like on a team together you have like something in common that you do but um otherwise it's like yeah people are everyone's polite and nice but most people are like <laughs> i don't know if i'd want to talk to you that much <laughs> more than like five minutes <laughs> i don't know it depends i don't know. i get to talk to a lot of different people as a cashier so i kind of like am familiar with having like a wide array of like small talk and it's kind of interesting but um i'm more of like a i don't know it's weird yeah it's weird being like what if you want to like make new i think you have to like join something if you want to make new friends as a 30 year old you have to like be a part of something or you have to just like get in touch with old friends (laughs) but anyway yeah i'm not saying that 90 percent of people aren't nice i think almost everyone i think basically everyone knows how to be like they know how to act like politely and like pretty much everyone can conduct themselves like unless you're like crazy like actually a crazy person (laughs) then then you can't conduct yourself in public but um no people are nice but and then you could talk to them about like a specific thing i am like always curious about customers i'm just like i wonder what this person does <laughs> you know or yeah like, it's kind of funny because like they know exactly what i'm doing but then they're like a mystery. I'm like, who is this person? All right. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And then I can like create my own backstories for them. I do. I'm like, this guy's probably like some type of builder. I feel like I just get vibes from people. I'm like, I'm like, this guy works with his hands. Or I'm like, this lady is like a teacher. Or, um, you know, all sorts of different, you meet all the different people. But in general, there's like pretty cool people that come to the place I work. I'd say like the customers are like interesting. (laughs) There's cool people. There's like a wide variety. A nice swath. All right. I got to get going here. Speaking of work, I got to get moving. I got to give myself a little more time to eat something. Because I get grumpy in the mornings when I haven't ate enough. So let's just read. All right. Here's movie number seven on the Hallmark list from Good Housekeeping. Christmas Everlasting. More of a tearjerker than Hallmark's other offerings, Christmas Everlasting offers a poignant reminder to face life head-on, even if it means owning up to your secrets and insecurities along the way. Tatiana Ali steals the show as Lucy, 
a hotshot lawyer who is forced to confront her past after her sister dies. Oh, that's sad. All right, we can't leave on that note. Let's read a little more. Hero's Journey. Hero's Journey. Can y'all hear about the hero's journey? All right. Atonement with the father slash abyss. In this step, the hero must confront and be initiated by whatever holds the ultimate power in their life. In many myths and stories, this is the father or a father figure who has life and death power. This is a center point of the journey. I think that's a good place to freeze it right there. Speaking of freeze it, I'm pretty freezing. Yeah, I definitely had, yeah, like, I would say when dad came on the podcast a bunch. Not that, I mean, not that me and my dad were on, like, poor terms, but there was definitely some, like, father-son bonding going on when my dad kept coming on my podcast. You can check back and listen to those episodes. He came on, I mean, he'd been on back in like 2020, but he came on a few times starting in November, a year ago. So, um, yeah, and we had like some good chats. We did some fancy drafts. So there you go. I'm going to get it moving now. (laughs) There we go, baby. We did it again. Yeah. (laughs) That's a coffee boat. That's my cold brew. Brewing up, baby. We did it, baby. Arnie Pod. All right. Enjoy the old episode. Me and dad, me and Brett, the songs, stand-up comedy, film flips, movie companions, all that fun stuff. (laughs) all right have a great day once again thank you thank you thank you for supporting small independent podcasts and this is the best podcast you've never heard of and that's arnie pod baby arnie pod arnie pod arnie pod (laughs) arnie pod is Arnie Pod? <laughs> hey, Arnie Pod! <laughs> right. I don't know why it's so fun. I love podcasting, dude. What can I say? I love podcasting. I think it's because I have such a history of being a consumer of podcasts. I've listened to so many podcasts. That I just know pod, I just know them inside out I know what it is to listen to one I know what the end of a podcast sounds like This is the end of the podcast <laughs> This is the end Good movie Underrated comedy uh, Apatow comedy All those All them boys Alrighty Well Have a great day Once again Thank you, thank you And uh, see you later, buddy Bye